Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. My name is Sam Delaney. I'm joined as always by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Mr. Roshane Thomas. Roshane, how are you doing? I'm all good, Sam. Yourself? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Um, it's been a uh, funny couple of weeks uh, under lockdown as we sort of wait to see whether or not we'll ever finish this Premier League season. Um, but you, uh, as always, mate, have been... Um, Feeding our West Ham uh, hunger with a series of great articles on the site. What, what tell us about what what you've been doing recently? What you've been writing about? Well, recently, I spoke to uh, Frank Noble, former West Ham player, about yeah. some of the difficulties experiencing at Colchester United. Also, have a player piece on David Moyes. Some fantastic stories about him arriving in Cambridge in a helicopter, loving Shandy when he was younger. So many great stories in that piece. I'm also doing uh, looking at the best free transfers since the year 2000. So I've gone for a former former striker. So obviously read that piece as well. I love it, mate. I love the nostalgia pieces, like I've said before on this podcast. I, I love the looking back on the good times at West Ham uh, that we've been able to do during these sort of fallow weeks during lockdown. Uh, you know, it's just as much pleasure to be derived from that for me personally as there is from, you know, actual real life, real time football, to be honest. Yeah, the nostalgia's good. Some great stories, as I mentioned. So, yeah, definitely have a read if you haven't already. So, if you want to read Rashane's excellent West Ham coverage and all the other great football stuff on The Athletic every day, uh, then you can get a 90 day free trial at the moment. You visit uh, www.theathletic.com forward slash West Ham pod. And courtesy of you being a listener to this podcast, you will get 90 days free to check out whether you like the content on the site, which, I'd wager, you will. Right, time for this week's very special guest. Welcome to You Irons. Cult hero, Mr. Jimmy Walker. Jimmy, how are you doing? Yeah, great, Sam. How's it going, mate? Very well indeed, mate. It's great to have you on the show. Got so many fond memories of your time at West Ham because it was a great period that uh, mid-noughties era at West Ham under Pardew, in particular, it was fantastic. I, 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 you know, you you had you were you were a legend at Walsall. You you played hundreds of games. What made you suddenly sort of after quite a long career there? It's quite a big career move to West Ham, isn't it? How did it come about? Oh, absolutely, it was massive for me. It was, I mean. You're right, first and foremost. What a fantastic time it was when I got to the Hammers. It was it was an incredible four years I had there. Um, but yeah, going Walsall was Walsall was an amazing time. I'd sort of left Notts long story short, by the way, I'd sort of left Notts County uh, at eighteen, nineteen unexpectedly really and sort of fell out of love with the game really. Walsall gave me a bit of a lifeline and I decided to have another crack at it and, and that and that was it. About five hundred and odd games later I was <laughs> I was the record appearance holder. It went in a flash as well, but I've got to sort of, we'd done brilliant at Walsall. When I started there, we was like second division, which was then third division. Um, it's that long ago. Mm. And we we got promoted in my second season to Div 1, which it is now. Um, and then I went up again to the champ and we had, I mean, it's never been heard of in Walsall really. We had like four or five years in the champ and it, and it was an incredible time. And I'd sort of got wind, I played against Parza's teams a lot when he was at Reading. Um, at the time, and so I knew he'd, I'd always done quite well against him. To be fair, and I had, a, I had an unbelievable spell at Walsall. It was a, it's a, like I said, it's a fantastic place to play football. I loved every minute of it there. But sort of, I wanted to prove myself at the highest level possible. I always had ambitions for that. You know, people had told me because I'm only, I'm only short anyway. But people had kept ramming it down my throat. I'm too small to 
play at the top level, too small to play at this level. Every every year I went up with Walsall, it was, yeah, he'd done well at Div 2, but he was struggling in Div 1, not tall enough. Doing well in Div 1, not struggling in champ, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, I wanted to prove, not to people, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So I always had ambitions of going as far as I can and, and you know, Paz, you know, thankfully gave me that gave me that chance at a massive club like West Ham. It, it was incredible. I can remember playing there for Walsall the season before I ended up going and it was like, I think it finished up nil-nil and I had, a, I, had a, I had a good game and I'm playing in front of the fans there and Bobby Moore and that and Trevor Brookie standing and I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit of me, this. It was, it was it was brilliant. The atmosphere was electric, and let's say I had a good game. And Paz was off sounding me out at half time and after the game. And I thought there might be something on this here. And unfortunately, he took the chance on me. And you know, a bit like Walsall uh, for, for resurrecting me, career, it was to, to take that next step. I'm I'll forever grateful for West Ham and Paz for that. It was the main man. Was it still Steve Lomas sort of running things when you uh, in the dressing room when you arrived? Lomi was brilliant to me. When I, when I turned up, it was such a good change room. We had Stevie Lomas in there, Don Hutchinson was in there, Rufus Brevitt, Bobby Zamora, Marlon Earwood, mm. Effrington, Sheridan noisy. came in at the same time. Not, not, not a noisy character. Oh, my God, so many characters. Honestly, so many characters. And, of characters. course, you're, you have a, you're a nice drinking violet yourself. <laughs> no, absolutely. I fit in quite well, to be honest. It, it was a funny time because they was trying to... Pards had obviously did missed out on promotion the season before. Uh, losing to Palace in the final, so he had he had to get rid of five or six. So there was there was a few big hitters still there, and it was not a funny atmosphere. But you know, you you had Kevin Horlock there, you had David Connolly there, you had you know some 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 big players in there still. And Pars had to get rid of a few and 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 do a sort of remoulding act. But he was really clever. The people he brought in, I think, you know, they, they, like I said, they had great characters. He brought Sharon in on the back of keeping the good characters in there and. And Lomi, Lomas was left and Donny Hutchin, you know, and they, they stayed and was brilliant. They was, you know, Lomi helped me fit in unbelievably. He took me around and showed me the sights of Essex straight away and helped me settle in, which, which, was, which was probably a bad idea, really. <laughs> no, it was an amazing time. When you first arrived, you know, were you told that your role, you, you were competing with Stephen Bywater for the, for the number one shirt, effectively. Uh, were you told that you would be number two when you first got there, or was it? Were you told that it was an open battle between no, the two? Of you? You, no, to be fair to Paz, he was he was pretty honest, and he says, "Look, I've I've given Stevie the nod for next season." I was like, "All right, okay, I'm a good pre." And I still thought a good pre-season on my belt. You know, Stevie's a great goalkeeper, but you know, I felt at that time I was playing the best I'd ever played. I'm I'm just turning thirty, so I'm I'm ready to go. Played a lot of football at that level, and I, I was like, "Yeah, all right, pause, whatever." But to be fair to him, he he, <laughs> he said that, and he he stuck to his words. Although I didn't, I disagreed at the start of the season. Mm. I thought I'd had a decent enough pre-season to get the nod. My problem then was going to be dislodging Steve, and he would have had to do two or three things wrong in a row, to because we weren't going to struggle in the champ. You know, with the players we had, we shouldn't have struggled. Yeah. So it was like, when am I going to get the chance now? Um, and that, that was that was the biggest problem I was going to have. And he gave me the cup games, fortunately, to start with, which you know, live with me forever, especially my away debut. Let's talk about that. I was there that night. Uh, it was October two thousand and four, Stamford Bridge, and and I think it's always a, a big atmosphere when West Ham go to Chelsea. We like to take a lot of fans and make a lot of noise there. And yet this year was particularly intense because it was a midweek game, and of course. Chelsea were in the first throes of that, you know, Abramovich's reign. They were becoming a top, top European side. And meanwhile, we had always traditionally thought of them ourselves as equals, if not above. We're down there in the championship. Nightmare. 
So the atmosphere was particularly fiery. We wanted to make a lot of noise. And then, it, you know, we lost 1-0, which I only remembered today when I was looking it up because my memories of walking away from Stamford Bridge that night was like we'd won. <laughs> yeah, and it was, all of because, <laughs> it was all because of the penalty you saved right in front of where we were all standing, the West Ham support, against who else but Frank Lampard. Talk us through that moment. Well, I, I normally say at this point, I don't, I don't like to talk about it. You know, it's, it's, I'd like to move on for it, but that is a blatant <laughs> lie. I love talking about it. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a, it was an amazing atmosphere. I've never, I've never played in front of anything like that. To be honest, you know, that's the first taste I had of, you know, not the real West Ham fans, but the ones that really, you know, quite vociferous on it. When you said fiery, there it was a definitely fiery atmosphere. But yeah. I was loving every minute of it. To be honest, and fortunately, I had a, had a decent game. And Paz gave me the nods uh, the day before, and I thought, all right, this is, this is a great chance to show what I can do and to, to you know to have the game I did in front of the in front of the eight or nine thousand West Ham there was was incredible and I, I can remember the penalty honestly like like yesterday I normally if I'm doing it after dinner speak I always start it with what I don't like to talk about it, and then I go well there I was shed end miss descending <laughs> off the Thames <laughs> eight thousand West Ham behind me ah. but it, it was amazing I can remember just stood above the penalty and it was all going off you got Tommy Rebka who's a lunatic anyway kicking off yeah. everywhere I think Unfortunately, uh, Kesman for them had a little bit of blood down him. We didn't know if it was from something thrown or it, Tommy had given him a little cheeky right hander or something, <laughs> which was probably true. You, Rufus Brevitt's kicking off like normal. So it was all going off, and I'm thinking, I need to focus here. This is Penno going off. And I saw Frank, and the longer he stood over it, I thought, even he's not this guy. I mean, an unbelievable player, a talent, but. I thought even he's not cool enough to slot this. He's just going to smash it down the middle, surely. Yeah. So I thought I'm just going to I'm just going to try and make myself as big as possible. And unfortunately, I'd, I'd give a little prayer to my granddad before I went. Come on, in, granddad, help me save this one. This <laughs> this would be a good start. And unfortunately, I think to be fair, when I watch it back, it was uh, I must have been about seven yards down the line. I think it was almost like a spread save at the end. <laughs> I got that far down the line. So I think VAR would have definitely overruled me, unfortunately. But to make the save and to see the limbs behind was incredible. Were you aware in that moment, until that moment, just how deep the animosity felt towards Frank Lampard was by West Ham's fans? Were you aware of that? I, I soon was. I wasn't before it. I must admit, you know, it's, mm. it's one of those, like, I always remember as a West Ham player, and I thought he did really well in that. It's only after I realised and, and got told about the history, etc., and I was like, all right, it's a good job I saved it then. But, like, just you could never believe there was there was things raining down on the pitch and it was all I'm yeah. like oh my god I better save this <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah like I say it was fiery that's the oh, word I'm using it's fiery is but great, there's other words that we word. could use all I can say is it was it was an enjoyable night despite the defeat and like I say I always forget that it was a defeat in any case yeah I'm, um, I'm with you on that I'm with you on that I, I always think you know the result went from me to be honest and saving that and having the game I had and that was like the first taste that cemented me with the fans, to be fair, and they've been unbelievable with me ever since. Well, you know, I'm looking at your stats, right, um, uh, before you came on, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Jimmy Walker played for us for years. And uh, I was absolutely shocked. This might be wrong because it's only Wikipedia. It's 16 first-team appearances, which is amazing because in terms of your stature amongst the fans, your reputation and our memories, I feel like you played more like 100. I, I, I honestly feel the same. I think it was a little bit more than that. Too. I think... The first season in a champ was, it was around, I mean, it's not a load. I would have loved it to be another couple of hundred, to be honest. But like, I think 
I got the nod sort of late on in the, the champ season was a really tough season for me because I was desperate to play and I thought I was at the top of my game and he just he kept sticking with Steve and it was only towards the end of the season we was, we was sort of heading towards mid-table and a bit of obscurity and I can remember we went to Wigan away yeah, and I was at that the, game yeah and there was people I mean people I'd never seen on the bus before and sat with pods like there was you know there was the chairman on there there was directors all on there the chief execs and like I, I always joke about it, it says you might as well have the grim reaper behind him because if we think if we, if we lose this game that's he's gone like and I, i'd not been playing yeah. i'd not played for two months i'd not even had a sniff really so i was like all right and he pulled me in the shower beforehand and, and just pulled me in the shower room and went right i need you today i still remember it clear as day i need you today i went oh now you need me yeah thanks for that I've waited all this time right see what I can do and I ended up having a it was a lucky game really but it was needed to be lucky because I've not played for so long I've, my timing was everywhere and, but one of them games I was saving things you know off the off my backside the defenders helped me out I think Teddy scored we went I think we went 1-0 down Teddy scored straight away after and I always remember from that moment we had this feel, there was a feeling around us and if we're going to win this you know we can this is, this is going to catapult us this is going to take yeah. us on again. And unfortunately, we got another goal. I can't remember who scored the next. And then after that, won, won the game 2-1 and, and that was it. We never looked back, really. I think we only lost one for the next 15 or 16 games up, up to the playoffs after that. And obviously yeah, it was, a late, it was a late run. And it, there, was, there was a turning point, wasn't he, where he shook the team up a little bit and you were part of that. I think he brought in Elliot Ward at centre-back. Yeah. And it was like a final roll of the dice and it, and it, it. paid off, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was exactly it. And... I don't know, something happened in that moment. Like you say, I mean, we had Anton Ferdinand and Elliot Ward, centre-halves, mm, both 18. I mean, yeah. I for, you forget how young they were. And I think I think he just wanted my experience sort of behind them a little bit to help them. And, yeah. and it worked so well because they listened to most things I said, well, on the pitch anyway. And they, <laughs> and, they, and, and they did brilliant. And you actually forgot their, their age there. You know, to, for that much pressure to be on them at that sort of age, they, they was unbelievable. And... And a team, yeah, like you say, from that from that win, we actually, I can remember sat in the changing room going, right, this is it, we, we're going up from this. Like, we, we need a real run. And we ended up getting, sneaking in on the last day of the season as well, which I think gave us even more momentum. Harry's sponsors You Irons, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew... There was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offer great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and travel blade cover. I use them. Um, on my face and my head. You're not supposed to use them on your head, but I do anyway because I'm a renegade. Uh, I've been using them for, for years, to be honest, Harry's, because without naming names, we all know that the ones you have to get up the shop are ludicrously overpriced. Uh, so, you know, if you're not doing Harry's, then you're, you're a fool to yourself. As a listener of UIs, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash uirons. 
right now. What's it, what was it like being a, a backup goalkeeper? Because, you know, when you're doing your warm-up, when you're on a bench, you know you're like, your only chance of playing is if the goalkeeper gets injured. So what was it like experience of that side of things? Tough, very tough. I come from also playing regularly. You know, if I was fit, I'd play for 10 years. Um, I knew it was a bigger club. I knew I was wait for my chance, but that, that was really tough, you know. I think it depends what age you are as well. Like, at that age, I was, I was 29, 30. I'm, I'm ready to go. I've played a lot of football. This is my chance to go and kick on to the Prem and prove, a few, prove myself right and a few people wrong. So I was desperate to play, desperate to play. And every time I didn't, it was more disheartening. But I think later on in my career, especially after I'd done my knee um, and I came back the second, after the second time I'd done my knee, I knew I couldn't quite reach the levels of playing week in, week out again at that level. So I actually didn't mind being a backup too much then. It was, I'd sort of accepted that as my role uh, further down the line and after the injuries. But for uh, that, that season was really tough. I really struggled with it. But, you know, you, you do it across the land. Goalkeepers do it across the land. You know, there's two or three keepers want to play for one position and it's, a real, it's real tough like that. So I always tried to keep myself right. If Steve was playing, I'd always be 100% behind him. You know, I'd moan to the manager, I'd moan to Ludo, the goalie coach, and say I should be playing every week, really. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't show it to any of the other lads. I wouldn't show it to Stevie. And I think that's the role you have to do as a, as a goalkeeper. But, yeah, it was tough. Uh, you talk about the other characters. Just tell us a little bit more about just how mad was Thomas Repka. <laughs> I was a lunatic. Mm -hmm. Absolute mm -hmm. raving lunatic. But I loved him. He was a fantastic guy. He used to... I mean, I was in the change rooms where I sat, uh, where we got changed... Either side of it was brilliant. I had, Sharon, I had Teddy on the right and Tommy Rebka on the left. It was, a, it was an education. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was a mentalist, Tom. I've never met anyone like him before. He was an absolute one-off. He didn't even speak loads. He couldn't, you know, whether he could speak a load of English or not, I don't know. He never spoke a load to me, but we just have little nodding and little few words here and there. And he was, he was great. I loved him. But he was a lunatic, absolutely. <laughs> on and off, on and off the pitch. He wasn't one of these guys who was sort of calm off the pitch and let it all out. On. No, no, he was a lunatic on and off. <laughs> what you saw on the pitch was was off it, really. But I mean, he was he was a nice, he was a lovely guy. I really liked him. Um, but yeah, lunatic, <laughs> on and off. When you got to the playoff final, and um, you know, obviously you'd. You, you were established then as our first choice goalkeeper. What was it like between you and you and Stephen? Because he must have been gutted to have, you know, played a lot of the season and then seen when we got to the, you know, the, the pinnacle and that great day out at Cardiff um, to have lost out to you. Was that was that tough? How did you two handle that? No, I think, I mean, you've got to realise I did probably 30 of those games or maybe 25 mm. before that Stevie played. And if I'd have probably sought with him or not been right during them times, it, if then it, the role's reversed, he could have a right to do the same. Mm. But I'd never I'd never have done that. Um, so I always did everything right. And Steve was exactly the same. Steve was brilliant. He was the first one, you know, to celebrate with me after a game. His first one on the pitch celebrate. It, it, it was a great, we had a great camaraderie, to be fair to him. Um, and it was excellent. And I think you needed that. I needed that behind me as well. To you don't want nothing in the in the background doing it. But I think we'd all just, as a team, at that point, especially after the Wigan game, with something clicked, and we just all went right. Come on, we need to do this together. And everyone pulled the same same direction at that time. And unfortunately, we just managed it. Jimmy, I know it was a long time ago, but how did you guys celebrate after that playoff final? Well, mine was a little bit different because I had one knee. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I was my mine was I mean it was it was it was amazing still like even with one knee and I can remember John Green the physio at the time who was who was a great guy as well. 
but he'd sort of I was in the treatment room after the after the injury watching the last few minutes of injury time and it was like a little piddly room with a telly and I'm, it was the most surreal moment of my life I'm watching I've just been out there in front of like 90,000 people millions watching I'm in a little first aid room watching it on a screen I'm going what is going on here so John's come straight in after the final whistle which was only a few minutes after and I said John I need to get out of there mate he's going no no you just relax get some ice on it I went nah I'm going out one way or another so he went all right, no problem. And he gave me the biggest bandage I've ever seen. It was, I look like a mermaid, to be fair. He gave me the biggest bandage ever. He went, right, just be careful what you do. And he sort of said during it, right, you need to get keep your swelling down, keep it right so, at this very early stage. And I'm going, John, I've just got promoted to the Prem, mate. I, I'll worry about my knee later on. And I was walking, I was on Ludo's back after with two bottles of champagne. And, and I could see John looking at me, shaking his head. Uh, it, was, it was incredible. And then we, we, we flew back into Stansted and we just had a we had a big party there to be fair which was which was incredible I think I always remember going back to back to the party and it was actually a bit quiet because everyone's you know from all the emotion they've all come back down from the flight and that and met the missus at the hotel or whatever and we've gone into a big room and it was really quiet I'm like right I'm not having this walk around got the shots in for everyone lads like oh easy Jim take his missus I went they're not for you they're for the missuses <laughs> <laughs> so that got everyone we was all on it then and that was it and I think John had said put your leg up and keep icing it and then I think about 10, 30, 11 you just see me on the middle of the dance floor with my crutches yeah. <laughs> I didn't listen to his advice that well on that point and, what, and what about what about Pards I mean you know he, he, I imagine he's a, a great character to G you up before a big game and then, you know, I imagine he's the sort of, um, you know, the sort of manager who doesn't mind partying with the lads after a game as well. Is that a fair uh, uh, description of his day? It's a fair assessment to be. I, I mean, I really like Pods. I really, I mean, I owe him a lot anyway. But you know, I really liked him as a manager. Apart from, I thought I should have played me a lot more. That was my only downfall mm. with him. But that was, I actually thought he was a really good manager. Had a lot of, you know, he was, quite, he was charismatic. He would tell you how it was. Uh, I really liked him, but uh, to be fair, he kept himself away distance a little bit, but you could tell he liked to party. I think him and the staff used to go out a little bit, <laughs> just away from the lads, you know, and now I've turned to coaching, I've seen sort of why, because you don't want to be seeing your manager steaming, but, it, you know, he, he was a great, he was a great, great guy. I really enjoyed him, really enjoyed his time with him. And when you got uh, into the Prem, uh, were you disappointed? I think that summer he signed Roy Carroll from United, didn't he, as, as first choice? Um, what were your feelings about that? Did you consider moving on that summer? Well, no, because because when I did the need, I mean, that was I knew it was going to be minimum of six months if there was no complications. Um, and there was a lot of complications, to be honest. The, the surgeon, Andy Williams, did my knee in, over in Chelsea way. And he he was fantastic. I mean, him, between him and John Green, the physio, they, they saved my career. Because I think everyone had sort of wrote me off from it. Because like, mm. to the extent of the knee was that bad. Um, I think everyone wrote me off anyway. So it, it was a real, real tough time, really hard. You know, imagine like, this, I always say, imagine, so you dream as a kid to play at the top level. It weren't the Prem then, obviously, because I'm a bit older than that. But, mm. you know, you want to play at that top level in the Premiership. You want to test yourself against the best players. I've built my way up with Walsall. I've had an amazing time. I've been wrote off again there. Then I've got to West Ham. I've half been wrote off again. Then I've proved probably pards wrong again and everyone else. And, and we got promoted. And then... With with about a minute to go, and to be fair, I can I remember coming for the cross in the final because I'm thinking, this is my dream. I'm playing in the Premier. I, if I go up with West Ham now, I could start as number one in the Prem with West Ham quite easy. I was playing that well. I was enjoying my football yeah. that, that much. I'm thinking if I can start next year as number one, 
this is amazing. So I thought any cross comes in the box or anything, I'm saving it, I'm dealing with the cross. I'm not leaving it to like the young lads in front of me, I'm dealing with it. So I ended up coming for the cross, probably a little bit too far. As I landed, I'm close to the edge, but I would have stayed in. And then as I landed, obviously the knees smashed. And I think from that moment, you know, it was, it, it was really tough. And it never registered for a little while. But I always remember watching the first few Prem games at Upton Park. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm sat there with my knee in a bandage still with no sign of being anywhere near to playing again. It, that, that was a real, a real hard time. And, you know, I had, I had, I had a bad, good, bad four or five months, really bad four or five months, a dark place, to be honest with it, and that. Because I, I couldn't train, I couldn't do anything, really. I just had to give it time to heal. And, and I'm watching the lads enjoying the Prem, which I didn't begrudge any of them. They've worked so hard to get there as well. We had, we had a great group. But to be playing at that level and watching it was really hurting me. And I ended up, I ended up getting my head right, a long story, and it was right, it was time to crack on. And I just probably did it in time to salvage my career and probably my life, really. And then, so to get back and play in the Prem was, was incredible for me. But yeah, I mean, the sign Roy, Roy was, Roy was a fantastic goalkeeper, another great character. And it was one of those, when I came back, I thought, well, all right. And, and Roy was injured when I came back and they had Big Shaka and me. And I ended up playing a few games and I was hoping to get the nod for the cup final at the end. But unfortunately, he went with Shackard about on the Thursday before it. And oh, that, that, was a tough, that was a tough decision from Paz as well. There were so many of you from the promotion team. Uh, and you'd all been on, I mean, it's an overused word, but you've been on an incredible journey together, hadn't you? The oh, absolutely. You that you've mentioned. I mean, there was, a, you know, there was a few additions that he brought in the Premier League. But so the core of that team, Rio Coca, Hayden Mullins, yourself, Anton Marlon... I mean, it, it 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 always felt as a fan like you were a proper gang. Yeah, you know, no, that's exactly a team, what it was. A, yeah. a real team of mates. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Really, you know, we'd we'd forged a a great bond on and off the pitch. To be honest, you know, mm. we all sort of similar ages. A couple of young lads in there. We, it was a real good mix, a real sort of eclectic good mix of lads in there. You know, there was some young lads coming through. You had nobs coming through. You had established players, Matty Efferington, Marlon, and people you mentioned. Then you had obviously the older states was like myself, where I was getting, and Teddy was in there, and mm. it was it was an amazing it was it was an amazing time. And like you say, to do it with people you actually really get on with, and that we just everyone wanted the best for each other, and that. And like I say, we we was really tight, and I think that showed that showed out with how far we went with it all. Excuse me, you know during that season where West Ham won promotion, I mean. Talk me through the impact Teddy had because I, I had to write a piece recently about the best three transfers like since the last 20 years and I said my number one is Teddy Sheringham because that season he was so important to West Ham going up. Oh, it was, it was, it was instrumental to be fair and not just on the pitch. I mean, he's one of the best players I've ever played with to be honest. He's, he's technically, his quality is, is unbelievable. You watch what he's done in the game, you've, you know, you can see that and so just, to, just for him to be in the changing room to be honest, I can remember we was away on a pre-season uh, tour at the time when he got signed and I, I can't wait to get back and meet him you know I've never met Teddy before and I've just watched him play and so I was so pleased you know sometimes you've you've met lads like you've met really good players and they've not got loads about them off the pitch sort mm. of thing but Teddy was the total opposite he had as much off it as he had on it and he he was he was brilliant so just to be in the change rooms with him with, with especially with the young lads like Real Cokers and Antons and Elliot Wards and it, it was brilliant for them and it, it definitely helped galvanise us and you know it, it, like I say on, in the change it was brilliant but on the pitch he was he was different class like, like I said I've played with some good players fortunately over my career and I mean you must right have watched there. him 
like all of us, you're a similar age to me, Jimmy. I mean, you know, watching him in Euro 96. Oh, amazing. That legendary summer. And anyone who lived through it loving football, it had such big impact. And he was such an incredible player for England at that time. And oh, then to find incredible. yourself playing alongside him. Uh, was... It's like proper legendary status. Absolutely. I mean, I was so excited. I mean, this is why, this is why I came to West Ham. You know, I wanted to better myself and prove myself on a big stage. And who better to than one of England's finest centre-halves, you know. And then we coupled it and we, we signed Dean Ashton as well, who was, who, who, in my opinion, could have been as good as Teddy. You know, yeah, he was only yeah. a kid. Very similar style I mean, player. Ah, uh, unbelievable player. But so for for Dean to you know see Teddy in that as well, it, it was it was brilliant. Everyone lifted, the, you know, and he was such a good trainer, such a good trainer in training. Never, I never see him once like not give his best. He'd have a go at people. He he want to win five a size like you'd never believed. Uh, he was unbelievable. He just lifted everyone on the training pitch. He's one of those those kind of players where everyone tries to raise themselves up to them levels, which which. You know, if you do that on a daily basis, you're gonna your game's gonna get better. So yeah, he was he was amazing. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash irons and pay the postage of four pound ninety five. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to our show, you'll get two extra beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands and they deliver your beers straight to your front door. You don't even need to leave the house. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown in too. So just go to beer52.com slash irons to get your free case. And don't forget, right now, listeners get two extra free beers. I've got to ask you before we let you go. The season, you, you, you know, you've described just how fantastic those two seasons were. Your first two seasons at the club. Promotion, then a cup final. Um, the following season, there are still question marks this day over what, went wrong because in all my years supporting West Ham and God knows I've seen some ups and downs I've never seen such a quick and spectacular fall from grace as there was with that team Um, the rumours surrounded why it was whether it was the manager whether it was the players whether it was the arrival of the Argentinian lads what how did things go so badly wrong the following year do you know what? If you could put your finger on that, you'd be one of the the greatest football minds of all time. It, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, Pars has actually grown into the role for me he, even more. He's, he'd become a better manager. I think a few of the lads started believing their own press a little bit, and that was we had we've had we had conversations in the change rooms. You know, that got a little bit fiery. Not quite as fiery as Stamford Bridge, but got a little bit fiery. We, you know, we tried to keep the lads feet on the ground, which is hard to do, you know, the young kids playing in the Prem, they're playing really well and we're just going, look, it does unless you keep at that level and training as hard as you can, things go. Forget what's happening off the pitch, concentrate on it and the rest will take care of itself was probably like our message. And I think a lot of that got lost along the way. You had the you did have the Argentinian boys who were fantastic when they came in as well. They was brilliant. So it was a really strange one because the atmosphere was excellent. The atmosphere was great. The football was great. We just couldn't get the results. Just could not get them. I think after what we'd done over two years before, it was almost as if we'd just gone, well, this is easy. (laughs) 
and maybe just came off it a little bit. You, think, you think you lost those people talk about tiny margins at that level. Do you think there might, you know, just if you, if you lost that kind of 1% in training uh, because suddenly you'd gone from being underdogs to being, you know, there's a lot of players in that side who were being talked about as future England internationals and Absolutely. so forth. Do you think that basically lost them the little 1%, the little edge that they might have had before? Well, like you say, at that level, at that level, there is no hiding place. You have to be 100% every single day. Like, you you just can't get away with it. And I, I probably that is probably true. We just lost a little bit, a bit of an edge. You know, we'd all sort of come through together with, with things to prove. You know, young kids got to prove himself. Older players want to prove themselves. And we just maybe got a little bit comfy on that, I think, at times. But it, it was a weird one because... People were still training really hard. We liked the manager. You know, and we Pards was, was still, you know, people say that Pards, there was, you know, the squad became a bit alienated from Pards because he'd got a big, big time. Is that... Well, what Pards was always big time. <laughs> Pards was always big time. So there's no difference there. You know, we knew what mm. Pards was. He, you know, he uh, he was charismatic. He loved himself. And uh, we'd, mm. we'd no problems with that. Like, I mean, he used to get a bit <laughs> of stick. I think, I think he came in a red Ferrari one day. Pods, yeah, I remember right, and we've like, <laughs> hold on a minute, is that is no, and like we're not having that, so we just we give him loads of stick, and it was gone the next day. He said, no, no, it's just on loan. It was just on loan. We think he got rid I'm, of I'm, it. I'm pretty sure he linked himself with the England job at one point uh, as well, which he, was a quite think, a classic Pards thing to do. I think he might have done that on several occasions, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it it was a it was a real strange one. It was, it was hurting the lads in the changing room. It was really hurting them. We couldn't quite put his fingers on it and. You know when you sort of we had momentum going upwards and mm. and really going for us in the in the two years. I think once we got on that little bit of a roll where we couldn't quite get the results, you're trying too hard to dig yourself out of it and Jimmy, try everything. Who, and it just just tell us who bought the baby Bentley. <laughs> there was a few of the lads did. They got a lot of stick for that as well. There was more than one baby Bentley, so <laughs> the rumours are true. There the people went about... out on a baby Bentley buying the spree. The the rumours are very true. And they did get a lot of stick offers in the change rooms, but you know it's a it's a real tough one. The lads are earning from nowhere, from you know a few pounds a week to thousands of pounds a week, and playing in the prem. It's it's so easy to lose your heads. It's so easy to do. And we, as much as we try to keep your feet on the ground, which they did to a point, they're going to spend it on nice stuff. And you know, I, I don't think. I mean, curves was great, and what we did after after the first few months was incredible, but I don't think mm. he helped the situation to start with by coming in and, and having a go at the baby Bentley culture and all that. These lads had worked their socks off for two years to get to that level. Mm. I understood what he was saying, but I didn't think it was the right thing to do. And so then you've all straight away got a little bit of a divide because everyone did like Pards as well. And Pards probably encouraged buying <laughs> Bentleys and that in being a little <laughs> bit flash. And then you've got Curbs going straight in again, I'm not having this. And we're like, oh no. What's happened here? And I think it took us a, it took us a couple of a couple of months to recover from that. To be honest. Yeah. Well, well, Jimmy, you've been a fantastic guest. I mean, before we let you go, we know you're raising money for the NHS. So talk us through the great work you've been doing. Yeah. No. Thanks for that. Um, I've got a I've got a football website uh, called footballdna.co.uk, and it's basically you know it's a coaching site. It's for players. It's for a bit of everything. And, We've sort of it's a subscription website and we've we've done really well since we've opened it in a couple of years and it's it's gone worldwide to be honest and we thought what can we do in this time you know you feel a bit you feel a bit hopeless don't you you know stuck indoors and there's not a lot you can do no one's coaching players are training themselves and 
I thought, what can I do to help? And you see the NHS and everyone doing a fantastic job. And so we thought, well, instead of carrying on paying for the for the website, we'll open it up for free for everyone to enjoy. We've got a skills program on there for for young players. You know, it's specifically aimed at young players. They can. My young one's been doing it this morning. Like she's ticking off the levels nicely. So it, you can do it on your own house. And we opened it up for free for 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 the over lockdown period, which we're going to keep going and extend it because we're not quite sure what's happening at the minute. So we'll keep it that and. Our subscriptions we've got around the world at the minute, we're, we're going to donate to, well, we have done already, we're going to donate to the all of it, 100% of every, any new stuff that comes into the NHS and the United Foundations, you know, to help in what, the fight against COVID-19 as it is. So that's that's sort of what we've done, and we've done lots of things. Like we've done a lot of webinars for free, and Matthew Gillew's uh, coaching with me at Ipswich at the minute, he's doing... 200 kilometers throughout May to, to raise this. He asked me to do it as well, but I've got one knee, so I can't. So I just had to sponsor him. So we, we've got a, we've got a donations page as well. Um, like I said, the donations go into these, these causes. All our subscriptions go into these causes. And, you know, if anyone can, can't donate at the moment, they want to enjoy the site, brilliant. Just go and enjoy the site. Uh, and, and we're happy with that as well. And anything we raise in the process that can go to help and everyone that's, you know, trying to keep us safe in these times. If we can help them, then fantastic. Brilliant stuff, Jimmy. Well, we will uh, check that out. Um, thanks ever so much for your, for your time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck once the season does get started with Ipswich. We know you're coaching now. And uh, thanks for all the memories, mate. Thanks for Stamford Bridge. Uh, listen, my absolute pleasure, mate. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed my time there and enjoyed doing the interview as well there. So it's great. Thank you. Good man. Mm-hmm.